to Internet Marketing for Humans, digestible internet marketing insight and advice to help you grow your business. Hello and welcome back to Internet Marketing for Humans. I'm your host, Andrew Laws, and in this episode we're going to talk about the fastest way to find opportunities in any market. Now what this has come about from is a process that we run through here with most new clients where we have to try and very quickly find opportunities and learn a market as swiftly as we can. The reason we have to do this for pretty much every client is that we don't work with any two clients who are in the same kind of strict niche. They might be the same industry but not not doing the same thing. It's just, it's just kind of unethical for SEO I think. Um, you know, there's no way you'd be able to kind of decide which client would get any great new opportunity you, you kind of conjure up. Anyway, there's many other reasons I'm going off track. Essentially, what this, this kind of ethic means, though, is that we find ourselves in a situation where we, we start working with a new client and we don't have the luxury of being able to take a long, long time to figure out how the market operates. So we have a loose list of questions that we ask ourselves and ask our clients each time we start work. Um, kind of recently formalized it into a list. And I just thought it might be useful to you guys, not just because, um, you know, if you're in SEO, you might find this useful, which is great. But also for any any business, this kind of list of questions is quite a useful way of just kind of taking stock and and trying to look at the opportunities you have in your market in a new way. So the way this is going to work, I'm going to read each of the bullet points that we use and then maybe kind of go into a bit more depth about all of them. Hopefully by the end of this podcast, if you make a note of these these kind of things and we'll, we'll post them on the blog, uh, you know, on the blog post on andrewlaws.com as well, so you can go, go copy them. But hopefully by the end of it, you will be able to figure out, or hopefully you'll learn something new. Hopefully you'll kind of think about something fresh in your own market or niche and say, hey, you know, that's new. And this is why we get kick out of marketing. It's finding new things. This is the neat stuff. Okay, so here we go. Um, oh, one other thing quickly. This this is also quite good for high, highlighting weaknesses in knowledge. So, you know, run through these questions. Just just come up with the answers in your head while I'm, while I'm asking the questions. So the first question is, who are the influencers and who makes the buying decisions in your market? Now, when I talk about influencers, I mean, it's become almost a cliche. People like Kylie Jenner. Is it Kyle Jenner? Kylie Jenner? I don't know. Um, you know, people on Instagram with millions of followers are, are called influencers. But in reality, influencers are, um, are nothing new. You know, it could be the influencers in your market. Are, could just be somebody who's got the best Facebook presence. You know, who's, who's, is there anyone in your market that people think of first? when certain topics are discussed. You know, it could be could be almost anything. I was talking to a friend who had a dog recently and they were telling me about someone on Facebook who's become very well known for being called the dog whisperer or something like that. Anyway, so that that's an example of somebody influential um, the kind of person would be very interested in. But in reality, quite often in new markets, the influencer is just the company who's doing best. We see it in lots of kind of interesting ways. Um, I think in a recent podcast it popped up that Coors in Australia um, just started putting on their can cold filtered, uh, which all lager in Australia is cold filtered. But they became an influencer 
by just stating the obvious with something. So that that's kind of that's kind of where we're coming at from that. And in terms of who makes the buying decisions, well, if you're going to try and sell something, figuring out who the people who make the decisions that's that's kind of important, isn't it? That seems that seems fairly straightforward to me. But I say some of these things will sound straightforward, but they they still they still are well worth considering. Okay, so the next bullet point we have is where does the market hang out? Where online and offline can we find individuals in the market? So where finding where people hang out is is really useful, not just in terms of internet marketing or but you know just all marketing. For example, if people who if you sell curtains you know, where, where are the big buyers of curtains? Where do they hang out? Um, to be honest, I'm thinking more in terms of business to business rather than business to consumer, but it is applicable for both. You know, if you sell, sell something that's popular with weddings, where do people who make decisions about spending money on their weddings go? Where do they hang out? What do they read? Now, again, sort of probably a bit more business to business rather than business to consumer. So B2B, not B2C. Um, we always like to look and see what conferences and exhibitions are important to the market. Now, there's always lots of exhibitions for almost any, almost any kind of niche, but not all of them are that important. I'm trying to think of an example, but I can't really do it without damning any any exhibition that, that I have experience of. Put it this way: there are some exhibitions where junior people will be sent along to kind of, you know, get their feet wet, get a bit of experience in the industry, but they don't have any real buying power. There are other ex exhibitions that attract very high up people, so people that can make buying decisions. So if you can, it's, it's good not just to figure out where the exhibitions are and, and when, but, you know, what sort of people go. And I mean, very, I'm very sceptical when I approach... An, um, an exhibition company for a client. They were sent through the media pack, which has loads of fancy graphics telling you just how influential the people going are. I treat that with an incredible amount of scepticism. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's worth exploring anyway. Along similar lines to the question about exhibitions and conferences, we often look to see if there are any speaking opportunities in a market. Now, we know that not everybody that we work with is willing to stand up in front of a room or a crowd or anywhere and do public speaking. In fact, you know, it's, it's quite in the minority. It's not something a lot of people enjoy. But even if our clients or, um, you know, influential people inside the market don't like public speaking, learning where those opportunities are also helps answer the question about where, do, where does the market hang out? But I mean, ultimately, if we've got a client who likes public speaking and is happy to do it, it's just one of the best things you can have somebody do for in terms of marketing. It's just it's absolutely fantastic. Right, um, on to content, because that's one of our you know, things we really love here. Can we, we always ask, can we create content for industry publications? I mean, it's not always written word. It can be video for you know industry publication. You know, there's lots of opportunities if you dig a bit, a bit deeper. Now, one of the reasons we like to do this is getting content that's that's not just your standard press release, but getting content into magazines or onto other YouTube channels or, or several other places is a good way of positioning clients as influencers themselves. In almost any market, there will be 
just a handful of voices. And if it's a large market, or even if it's a small market, actually, that small group of voices have great power. They're, they're the, the kind of the celebrities, the Kyle Jenners. I should probably find out if it's Kyle or Kylie. <laughs> Never mind. You know, they are the ones that people know. So in the dog training industry, I imagine most dog trainers have heard of this guy I mentioned earlier called... I don't think it was the dog whisperer. It doesn't matter anyway. So if we can create content and get it placed, then that's absolutely brilliant. I mean, just, just to put a reality check on that, if you want to place articles in a lot of industry publications, you're going to have to buy advertising. It's That's just the way it is. Um, it can, we grumble about it a little bit sometimes, but ultimately it's important to us not to like hold back clients' progress because of our squeamishness about spending money. We're not kind of necessarily tight. Anyway, I'm talking about my company and that's not what this podcast should be about. It should be about helping you guys. So... One of the things that we like to ask is how important is social media to this market? I mean, the reason is that a lot of people do social media and it's it's kind of dying off a bit now, but people used to do social media for the sake of doing social media. It's not always worthwhile doing because if if you look at a market and the key players in the market or you know a lot of the voices on social media in the market are just blasting out foghorn messages, then I don't tend to bother with it, even if they've got, you know, it looks like people have got thousands of followers. If they're just foghorning out stuff, it, is, it doesn't matter. You know, so we want to see our, you know, we want to figure out if genuine relationships are formed kind of on social media in any market. You know, do, do the influencers use social media? If they do, do they have conversations or are they just going blah, 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 blah? You know, and you can sell just by being a gobby foghorn, but on the whole, good, good long-term business relationships are just that. They are relationships. They are not one person yelling at another person. Uh, so we don't do social media for everyone. It's just not always relevant. It's sometimes just a lot of noise. Um, the, the, other, the other thing we try and figure out is whether key players in the market are on all the social media platforms or whether they concentrate on just one. So for example, there are some industries we work with where nobody is on Twitter, Facebook's completely ignored, no one's heard of TikTok, <laughs> but LinkedIn is where it's at. So it's good to disrupt a market and then it's good to do something new and, and you know, we thrive on creativity. And I think I know a lot of the people I've spoken to who listen to this also thrive on creativity. But ultimately, if you're trying to cause a stir on something like Twitter and your market just isn't there, then you're kind of wasting your time. The next thing we ask ourselves or ask our clients or dig around about is we, we look to see what opportunities will paid advertising open up. Now, we're usually thinking about this in terms of pay-per-click or PPC. So that relates to Google ads, LinkedIn ads, Pinterest ads, Reddit ads, uh, um, Facebook ads, just you know, all the ad platforms that cost you money. Um, we look to see if the biggest players in the market are using PPC, are using paid advertising on, on social networks or other places. And we look to see what sort of messages they're using. Interestingly, you can do this very easy on Facebook. You just you search for a company you want to look into. 
then somewhere on the right-hand side of their company page, there's a little box that says transparency. If you dig around there, dig a little bit further, you can see all the adverts that companies run on Facebook, which is really useful because obviously you can see what tone is used, how do, how do people speak to the market. Um, one thing to bear in mind, if you're looking at the way competitors in a market advertise, you have to look for consistent advertising. Because so much of marketing is testing, if you find an advert that looks completely wild anywhere, then you have to look to see how long that advert was run for. You know, was it just a flash in the pan, in which case it may have been a test that didn't work? Or was that wild advert something, you know, one that popped up a couple of years ago and still running now? People, unless they are completely cash-rich nutters <laughs> do not spend money on advertising that doesn't work so if if an ad's been running for a company for a long time it probably works on some level obviously we don't know what metrics how they're measuring it but you know something there's money going into it so there must be money being generated by it anyway so that's another one of the things we look at um along similar lines to that we try and assess what sort of language is used by key players in the market to motivate or communicate with potential customers and existing customers. What's the tone like? I mean, if you're, if you're a company selling fashion, the tone tends to be quite loud and, and fairly aggressive in a lot of ways. But if you are selling something like um, <laughs> baby formula or something, your tone would be very nice and very gentle and very friendly. So one of the things we have to figure out, certainly before we create any content, is what tone is appropriate, what works. And again, you can be a disruptor, but if you're going to start selling baby food um, in the same way that Sillip Bang is sold, so you know, just for non-English people, um, Sillip Bang is, is a series of adverts, basically just a guy yelling in bright clothes, and I'm not going to do an impression of it because um, no one needs to hear that. So, you know, being a disruptor can be fun, but if it's a mature industry, the research has been going on for years and years and years with all the leaders. They they kind of know what works. It's just, it's good to find a, a new angle, but don't, it can be a complete waste of time trying to do something radical. You know, learn from the mistakes of others and all that fun stuff. On a slightly more SEO-focused tact, we look at who's linking to the market leaders. I mean, using tools like, we prefer Ahrefs, but SEMrush is also brilliant, and Moz, and God, there's loads of them. They will tell us which websites are linking to competitors. This gives us a really good idea. It's a fair old amount of research, but it gives us a really good idea of what motivates people to make connections. How relationships form to people link to, for example, instructional blog posts are people more motivated to link to sort of light frothy fun content you know it's it's just another way of learning how an industry operates just in a really nice fast way um one of the other questions we like to ask is or try and ask ourselves and figure out is how do companies within the defined market nurture brand exposure which is a slightly clunky way of saying, what are people doing to win? You know, what what happens? Uh, you know, is it a company that advertises entirely on bus stops and nowhere else? You know, 
how what do they do to to expose their brand to people we deal with it brand i mean it's worth thinking of brand exposure in slightly different terms sometimes to more aggressive and more linear kind of marketing campaigns i'm trying to think of a good example okay a good example is um if a client sells very high value goods that has a long decision time or a long lead time then it's worth spending money on campaigns that aren't necessarily going to be trackable in terms of conversion or sales but still keep a brand in front of potential customers for example if you're selling something that's quarter of a million pounds people aren't going to land on your website and buy first time it's just it's just not going to happen in fact that value of sale isn't going to happen online anyway you know no one's going to whip out a credit card and spend that money um if anyone listening to this knows of any industries where people do <laughs> let's know i'd love to know um so what we have to do in that instance we can't kind of go to the business owner and say hey you spent this amount of money on, on advertising and it got you this many sales it's just not that straightforward so it means that we're prepared to run campaigns purely for brand exposure rather than necessarily focusing on sales it's just because we want to keep the brand in front of people i mean this this is where remarketing becomes very important because you can consistently show your message to people who have visited your website you know even very specific parts of your website and <laughs> just as just as an aside because i like fun i i saw one recently um a remarketing campaign that was bonkers i was halfway through purchasing something from from a well-known online retailer that also has bricks and mortar stores so sorry shops um and about halfway through i thought you know i'd rather go to the shop and buy it so i didn't complete the sale now the marketing team <laughs> this company or the remarket you know, for remarketing they started showing me pictures of crying puppies everywhere saying um why didn't you complete the sale i tell you what if anyone has seen that and someone can tell me which company which is, is is a local company to me which company that was i will send you a bottle of champagne and <laughs> calm there's a challenge crying puppies oh why didn't you complete the sale right so i think we've given you we damn i'm doing the royal we i think i've given you a nice little list of questions there to ask yourself even if you're well established but a nice you know, few things fairly simple questions just 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 to ask yourself i'm just going to whip through them all in a line now um and then i'm going to add drop a couple of extra in which i kind of skipped as we went along so here we go are you ready we want to know who are the influencers who makes the buying decisions in each market where does the market hang out where online and offline can we find individuals in the market what conferences or exhibitions are important in the market? What speaking opportunities can we find in the market? Can we create content, written, video or otherwise, to place in industry publications? Can we position our client as an influencer? Can we gain good feelings, good publicity for the unique selling points that our client has? Sometimes even if they're already in use by other you know other people in the market how important is social media to the market are genuine relationships formed or do marketing influences in this niche use social networking as a foghorn 
should we be using social media at all or should we focus just on one platform like, you know, like LinkedIn? What opportunities will paid advertising or PPC pay-per-click open up for us? And which network should we use? How much reach can we expect for how much budget? Who is linking to the market leaders? Can we use this data to better understand interactions between market players? How do companies within the defined market nurture brand exposure? So there you have it. It's just our little list, but hopefully it'll be useful to you. If you have any questions that you always like to ask yourself to keep, to keep yourself honest, as it were, to keep yourself on focus, get in touch and let us know. Other than that, I look forward to speaking to you again in the next podcast. I'm just lining up a few new guests that I think you're going to really like. We're kind of going more for the, the fun things because we do this for fun. Marketing is fun. This is what we get a kick out of. Okay, so until next time, please like, subscribe, and please comment. It's massively helpful. Okie dokie doke. Toodle pip. Bye.